It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. we got a great one for you today here on this Wednesday, August 26th, uh, as we look to preview UFC Fight Night Smith versus Rakic. Uh, we also have an, an, another day of assorted UFC grab bag talkers. We'll also uh, recap the Contender Series Week 4. Uh, pretty pretty solid week, as, as have, have been most of the weeks uh, so far for the Contender Series. They really haven't disappointed um, you know, in, in this really funky time, uh, which we'll get to uh, later in the show. And then, yeah, like I said, some assorted grab bag. Uh, we got some Luke Rockhold talkers. We got some Jason Mayhem Miller talkers. I mean, we got, we got it all. We got UFC hotel talkers. I mean, just talkers on talkers on talkers is really what we have. That's kind of what we're known for here at North Star Sports. Uh, we're known for talkers. So, whole bunch of fun stuff. Uh, don't think there's any housekeeping to get to. Um, everything is status quo, which is uh, which is fine. I like the status quo. It's uh, it's pretty cool around here. Um, yeah. So without without any more wasted time, I think this might be the quickest we've ever gotten to a a fucking show, uh, or or the the meat of the show. Um, less than two minutes. Wow, we're doing we're doing good for time here. Probably gonna be a bit of a longer episode. Uh, but that's fine. That's fine. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, so on uh, on Saturday, uh, August 29th, another fight night here at the Apex in Vegas, UFC Vegas 8, which I don't know if I'm really liking. I mean, I hate to tell you guys this, and I hope it's not the case, but uh, this coronavirus might be around for a hot minute. And uh, if we just keep naming our fucking hashtags for the fights, UFC Vegas 17, I mean, like, this is going to go on for a while. We, we need to come up with more creative uh, hashtags, you know what I mean? You guys are like, well, you sold for $4 billion in 2016. You're probably worth, like, north of $10 billion. I mean, we should come up with new hashtags for fights, you know what I mean? Uh, hashtag UFC Smith versus Rakic or something, I mean... UFC hashtag, hashtag UFC Vegas 8. I don't know. It just doesn't really have the ring to it after, you know, the first seven. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I need to I need to recenter here. I need to find my chi with this uh, cup of coffee. I mean, that is a real thing, chi. I mean, I do think you have a finite amount of energy, uh, you know, on a, on a daily level or a weekly level. You don't want to burn through all your chi. Uh, you know, cause it, it's, it's going to get you, it's going to get you. Um, but yeah, we'll start, uh, with the first fight of the night here on the prelims. Actually, you know what? We'll start with the canceled and fizzled bouts because, uh, sometimes we get to them, sometimes we don't, but there were actually every single fight that got canceled. I, I actually was actually really excited to see. So, um, not, not breaking news here. Cause I think this happened like fucking three weeks ago, but uh, Zabit Magomed Sharipov was supposed to fight Yair Rodriguez, uh, or as Uncle Chael would call him, Yarir. 
Um, yeah, and Rodriguez fractured his ankle, which fucking, that fucking blows for Yair because, I mean, for a guy who's as good of a, a, a striker as he is and, you know, so heavily reliant on, like, movement and staying light on your feet and all that, I mean, fracturing your ankle is going to, that's going to be quite the fucking injury to come back from, I can tell you that much, but uh, I'm sure he's a tough guy, fighters are tough guys. Uh, but that would have been a, that would have been fucking amazing. I mean, Zabit is much must watch uh, TV. I mean, even when he's not even, you know, I, I I guess to a large degree it also matters your dance partner. But I mean, one of the best fights I've ever seen was Zabit versus Kyle Bokniak. You know, that was a fucking awesome fight. And Kyle Bokniak is not particularly talented. He's just you know a guy who moves forward and you know will eat several shots to try to land his own. Um, but yeah, that would have been awesome. I still would have heavily favored Zabit in this one, but I mean, for as, as big of a knobhead as, as Rodriguez seems to be, um, he is a very talented fighter. So, I mean, that, but that would have been a good one. Uh, we also had Jeff Neal versus, uh, Neil Magny, the, the battle of the Neals. Uh, I would side, I would side with Jeff Neal cause I think that's the correct way to spell Neal, N-E-A-L. I mean, N-E-I-L. I don't know. Not the weirdest way to spell Neil, but I, you know, I don't know. When I think of Neil, I, I think E A, not E I. Uh, but that would have been a, that would have been a great one. I mean, Neil Magny. Let's not forget, uh, he's really, really fucking high up there for most wins in the UFC, and I don't think people realize that. I certainly didn't realize it until like a couple of years ago, or probably sooner than that. But like, he has a lot of fucking wins in the UFC. He has a lot of fights in the UFC, because this was the guy. I think he, oh, I think his record got broken, but he is second all-time twice, and there's several fighters who are tied for this second place ranking, but I think in 2014 and 2015, he had five fights each in the UFC, so this was a fucking guy who racked up 10 fights in fucking 24 months in the UFC, and he fucking won most of them, he won most of them, which, which is even more impressive, like... That's fucking insane. Gasan Umalatov, Tim Means. Okay, I know that guy. Rodrigo De Lima, Alex Garcia, William Macario. So in 2014, he won all five of his fights. He was 5 and 0. Then in 2015, he was 4-1. His only loss came to Damian Maya. But, you know, uh, wins over Eric Silva, Kelvin Gastelum, uh, Hyun Gyu Lim, which I'm I'm sure I've fucking butchered that. But uh yeah, so nine and one in fucking two years. That's insane. So, I mean, it, that's why it kind of sucked when he had that long layoff because he had that real bad. I mean, fuck, we'll get to Neil Magny in a, in a minute. So I guess, I'll, I guess I'll save all my hot sports takes about Neil Magny for when we get to his fight. But I was really looking forward to Jeff Neal and Neil Magny. Um, I think that would have been. And great matchmaking, too, because. Oh, I want to say... Well, I have the North Star Sports rankings pulled up right here. They're very close in the rankings. Um, Neil Magny... Yeah, couldn't get any closer. Jeff Neal's number 12. Neil Magny's number 13. So, uh, you know, perfect matchmaking there. Uh, but did, did not come to uh, fruition. Although I don't think Jeff Neal's... Uh, or uh, I don't think Neil Magny is upset that, uh, you know, he got, a, he got a new opponent. But we'll get to that um, later. Um, another one that's not really going to have any implications on the rankings, but Alex Caceres was supposed to take on Giga Chikadze. Uh, that one could have been the fight of the night, to be honest. I mean, people probably know who Alex Caceres is. A lot of people, 
if you don't watch like fight nights with great frequency, you might not know who Giga Chikadze is. But he's a he's a really good kickboxer, a really really fun striker. Um, so that would have been a really fun fight because Caceres is just fucking goofy. I mean Bruce Leroy, I mean he's just fucking goofy. He's got a weird striking style. He typically fights up or down to his opponent's level, and um, that would have been a striking clinic for both sides. So I would have been really excited to see that happen. Obviously, unfortunately, it fizzled out. And then another featherweight fight that fizzled out. Actually, three of these four fights that got canceled were featherweight bouts. Uh, Ricardo Lamas and Ryan Hall. As I take a sip of coffee here. But that would have been a great one as well. I mean, Lamas, he's a tough motherfucker. He doesn't take fights off, I can tell you that much. And Ryan Hall, I mean, a submission ace, BJJ ace. This guy cannot get a fight in the UFC. Nobody wants to fight Ryan Hall because if you fight him, he's probably taking your leg home uh, with him, uh, which which really sucks. And I, I believe it was an injury for Ryan Hall. So this really sucks because he's getting up there in age. I think he might be like 36. And he, he just he only fights once a year. Not I mean, not due to his own... I mean, people don't want to fight him. So it's not his fault. You know, he gets injuries sometimes, like most people. And um, people don't want to fight Ryan Hall. There's there's no upside to fight Ryan Hall. Like, he's not a he's not a big superstar name. Um, no disrespect, but he's not a big superstar name. So it's not going to be like, oh, wow, you beat the superstar Ryan Hall. No. But fucking, he might be... Well, <laughs> let me let me choose my words carefully here. Um, outside of the top eight fighters in the featherweight division, he's probably the toughest challenge. Uh, he might not be the best fighter outside of the top eight, so eight through fifteen. Um, might not be the best fighter, but that's probably the toughest challenge. And Fuck it, I'll just say it. He might be the the fucking toughest challenge on the ground in the entire featherweight division. I mean, I know Ortega's obviously really good on the ground, so I I mean there's there's a discussion to be had there. But he he might be. He might be. Like like Gucci Mane said, bitch, I might be. Ryan Hall might be the fucking toughest test on the ground in the featherweight division. I mean, this guy will dude will just rip your fucking ankle off. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's like there's no upside to fight. Ryan Hall. I guess the upside for Lamas is he's not ranked in Ryan Hall. We do have Ryan Hall ranked um, at number 13 in the featherweight division. Um, not that I give a shit what the UFC rankings are, but some sometimes I like to look and see what their, what their rankings are, and they have Ryan Hall at number 12. Uh, their featherweight rankings are a little weird, but I'll tell you this much. We do our rankings the night of the fight. Directly after the fight, we do the rankings. And the UFC's fucking copying me, dude. They put Bryce Mitchell at number 15 in the featherweight division. Uh, because Frankie Edgar obviously moved down to bantamweight, so that opens up a spot. People move up. Um, they fucking copied me, dude. They copied me. I put Bryce Mitchell the, the fucking night of. Um, so, I mean, you know what I mean? Some Some people, some people are industry leaders and some people aren't. I mean... You know, that's just kind of how it is. I'm, I'm an industry leader. Um, but yeah, that's all the fizzled bouts here, so we can get to the actual uh, fight card preview. So, um, the prelim opener. It is a welterweight fight here. Let me pull up the old list of Rooney. Um, it's a welterweight fight here between Sean Brady and Christian Aguilera. Uh, not Christina Aguilera, uh, but Christian Aguilera. 
Brady is 12 and 0, Aguilera is 14 and 6. Uh, Brady is the minus 400 favorite. Um, Sean Brady, this is a guy who a lot of people were pretty pretty high on. Um, I gotta say, I'd never I'd never really heard of him um, before. I believe he made his appearance on the Contender series. Um, oh, actually, no, he wasn't on the Contender series. My bad. Um, see, it's so weird when fighters come to the UFC these days and they don't come through the Contender series. I mean, that's they're not fucking lying when they say that's the ultimate feeder. Uh, system going on, especially with, you know, the Rona going on and, you know, some of these minor promotions who probably weren't making fucking two grand, you know, uh, a fucking fight event, you know, a couple of years ago. Yeah, there's no way they can sustain that. Um, a tough US, UFC debut for Sean, Sean Brady. Uh, Court McGee, I mean, that's a UFC veteran. And then a guy, he beat a guy who I was pretty high on, Ishmael Nardayev. The, I believe that's the Austrian wonder boy. Um, yeah, I'm really fucking high on, on Nardayev. That guy, his performance versus, uh, Michelle Prezeris, uh, I was very impressed. Now he's, he's two and two in his last four fights in the UFC, and I believe he's not technically under contract by the UFC anymore. Um, but that, that win kind of spoke volumes for me when it comes to, uh, Sean, Sean Brady. Now, Christian Aguilera, uh, he is the minus 400 favorite, like I, might or, no, 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 minus 400 underdog, or however the fuck that works. Very heavy underdog. Um, but he's no stranger to being a heavy underdog. He was a heavy underdog in his last fight versus Anthony Ivey, um, and he knocked him out in under a round. So, I mean, this was a guy who I just thought they kind of threw in there, and maybe they did just throw him in there because they needed somebody to, to, to fight back in uh, June, and uh, yeah, fucking knocked Anthony Ivey out in four minutes. So... I mean, I don't know. We've seen, I don't know, maybe I just never noticed this before, but it kind of seems like if you make it to the UFC, fuck, I mean, I guess I, I guess I knew this before, but in a sense, it's kind of a trope, but like, oh, if you make it to the UFC, anything can happen. Fuck, dude, anything can happen. Like, so Christian Aguilera came to the UFC, uh, 13 and six. Okay. That's not a good record. Not a good record. He lost a fair amount of fights before he came to the UFC against some not-so-great talent. But comes in and knocks out Anthony Ivey. Now, I'm not trying to make it seem like Anthony Ivey was a future champ, but he was the heavy favorite. And, like, fuck, look at, like, Timor Valiev. Oh, very good prospect. Oh, who the hell is this guy? Trevin Five Star Jones? Oh, his record looks dog shit. Ah, fucking knocks him out. Now, it was a close fight. Jones almost lost. But, like, and, and, and like, uh, comma worthy. Oh, he's a minus 1,100 favorite against Devonta Smith. Oh, knocks him out. Uh, he's like a minus 500 favorite or underdog against um, Luis Pena. Chokes him out. So, like, fuck, I don't know. Anything is possible if you make it to the UFC. I mean, fuck, your records don't matter. Hey, just because you're in the good graces of the UFC doesn't mean anything's going to happen for you. I mean, look at Sage Northcutt. Look at Paige Van Zant. I mean, it's all about fighting talent when it comes to winning in the UFC. Instagram and shit like that is not going to help you inside the octagon. Um, but yeah, this will be a good one. I, I'd probably favor Sean, Sean Brady in this one, but fuck if I know. I mean, I'm, you know, I got to make a pick because that's my fucking job. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, Aguilera, he's certainly going to have the, the, uh, uh, well, I would say the hot hand 
But, you know, John Brady's fucking 12-0, and 0, but, you know, it'll be interesting. Ah, oh, coffee's so fucking wonderful. Uh, moving on here on the prelims, we have a women's strawweight fight between Emily Whitmire and Pollyanna Viana. Whitmire is the minus 125 favorite. Viana is also the minus 105 favorite. However the fuck that's possible. Um... Interesting one here. This is this is one uh, that could really trip up North Star Sports. Now I gotta say we are dog shit. The last couple of fucking fight cards, dude. We're really bad. We have to do good for this one. Like our picks, we're we're still decent on the year. I'm not gonna try to make it seem like oh we're we're at 75 percent, but I think we're at like oh what is it? We're at like 60 61 and a half percent on our picks. Um, dude, we're really fucking bad the last couple of fight cards. Munoz and Edgar, we went four and four and five. Uh, Miocic and Cormier, we went five and six. Lewis and Olenek, we went seven and five. Brunson, Shabazian, uh, three and five. Like, holy shit. Three of our last four uh, fight card predictions, we've gone below 500, which is just unacceptable. Um, in, in my defense, in my defense, I do struggle... Um, on fight night cards, picking uh, right and wrong fighters, uh, just because I think it's a lot tougher to pick guys who you might not have have seen a lot of uh, tape on. Um, but but no excuses. I mean, the record is is available at NorthStarSports.media forward slash picks. So I mean, I I own that. I eat that because you know I, I put it out there on my fucking website for everybody to see, good or bad. Listen, dude, if my if my UFC picks were forty percent on the on the year. I'd still put it up on the website because you guys deserve to know. You know what I mean? I'm not hiding from my picks. But I will say we're on a little bit of a fucking cold streak here. So I'm getting a little desperate. I just want... What is that? I think we have 11 fights uh, on this fight card here. Dude, I just want seven. I just want seven right. Like, I just want to be above 500. Seven seems like a good number. Not going to get greedy. So it's really important. Now, this one's a tough one because you look at Emily Whitmire. Four and three, I mean, you know what I mean? Probably someone who shouldn't be in the UFC. Uh, she's on a 14-month layoff, so she has not fought since the infamous, infamous UFC Minneapolis card, which yours truly was in attendance for. Uh, and she lost to Amanda Hibas. So that was interesting. Uh, first time I'd ever heard of Amanda Hibas. Uh, she, she put a fucking, well, not a beating, but, you know, she took her back and took her time. I think she got choked out in the second round, I want to say. Uh, but it was a, it was not a good night at the office for old old Spitfire over there. Um, but she has faced tougher tougher competition. So she has been in there with the likes of uh, Amanda Hibas, uh, Alexandra Albu, I mean, Jillian Robertson, she fought on uh, The Ultimate Fighter, also fought Roxanne Modafferi. Now, these are all losses outside of Albu one. Um, and Pollyanna Vienna is going to have the professional experience. Although I think with Whitmire, yeah, she had seven amateur fights and she was an amateur from 2010 to 2015. So, you know, certainly been in the game for a, a hot minute. I mean, she's been an amateur since she was fucking 18 or 19. You know, she's 29 now. Um, and, and Pollyanna Viana, she's on a three fight losing streak. Uh, although... She does have a win somewhere in there, because isn't she the fighter that beat the fuck out of a robber 
in Brazil. Like, she was getting robbed or something, or someone came in her house and she just beat the fucking brakes off of them or something. Or am I thinking of another Brazilian straw weight? I don't think I am. Um, but yeah, three-fight losing streak, and I gotta be honest, against not-so-great competition. Uh, lost to Veronica Maceda, who I think was on a three-fight losing streak heading into that fight. Lost a split decision to Hannah Cyphers, who I'm gonna try not to be mean. I'm gonna try not to be mean. Is probably a fighter who doesn't belong in the UFC, and that's all I'm gonna say. I'm not gonna be a fucking dickhead about it. Um, and a loss to J.J. Aldrich, who, again... I don't even think J.J. Aldrich is in the UFC anymore. Um, I think she might have been cut, to be honest. Um, oh, no, she might still be in the UFC, but, yeah, you know. Again, hasn't faced top-level competition. And her last win, her last win uh, came over Maya Stevenson, who I remember watching a video on Maya Stevenson. Uh, she's 6-5. and five. She, she was a, a fighter in the UFC. Uh, I guess I could see it on Tapology. Um, I think she's the wife of Joe Daddy Stevenson, and, yep, yep, that's true, um, her six wins all come against opponents who have never won, they've never won a fight, before fighting Stevenson and after fighting Stevenson, her opponents have never won a fight, so, like, it's crazy, because, like, her six wins come against opponents who are something like 0-25 combined, or something. So, like, just a complete f- phony. Just a complete phony of a fighter. Um, so, this is tough. I'm, I'm going to favor... Um, well, I'm going to pick, because i got to make picks. Uh, I'm going to pick uh, Emily Whitmire in this one. Don't feel great about it, to be honest with you, because I, I wouldn't feel great uh, about picking either fighter. Um, but I am going to go Whitmire. She just has the, the higher level experience. I think that'll pay off for her against someone who has really struggled in the UFC um, in Pollyanna Viana. Moving on here in the featherweight division, we have Alex Caceres taking on Kevin Kroom. Uh, Caceres, actually, we don't, we don't even have odds for this one because um, I think it was made yesterday uh, because, uh, fuck, who did he, oh yeah, Giga Chikadze, that's right. Um, the fight fell out with Giga Chikadze, uh, so no odds available on this one. Uh, the North Star Sports odds, because I'll just make up the odds for this one. I'm going to say I'm gonna say Caceres is the minus 250 favorite. That's what I think is probably fair. Um, yeah, I don't really have a whole lot to say on this matchup because I don't know who the fuck Kevin Kroom is. Uh, he's making his UFC debut. He does have a cool nickname. He's the hardest-hitting hillbilly. Uh, he is 5'11", so... Um, you know, Caceres is a tall and lanky kind of weird guy for 145, but, you know, Kroom is not, is probably not going to uh, be at a disadvantage height or reach-wise. Um, he's on a three-fight winning streak, and notably, in that three-fight winning streak, he has a win over Charles Crazy Horse Bennett, Felony Bennett, um, who is one of my favorite, U- well, not UFC fighters, but one of my favorite fighters of all time. Uh, if you don't know who Charles Crazy Horse Bennett is, uh, you should look him up. You should look him up. Um, says he claim, is, claims that he knocked out Vanderlei Silva, which I I don't know. I know he got choked the fuck out by one of Vanderlei's goons in backstage, I think, in Japan. Uh, but I, I like I like Felony Bennett. He's a fucking interesting character. But Kroom is seven and seven in his last fourteen at at the lower levels of MMA. You know, organizations I've never heard of. He has fought in Bellator and I think LFA, but. 
you know, these are like one-off fights. Um, I'm going to pick Caceres in this one. He fights up and down to his competition, which is a good sign for Kevin Kroom. Um, but fuck, dude. I mean, he's been in, he's been in the UFC since he was 20 years old, I want to say. Uh, he's been in the UFC since he was 20, or since 2011. Um, so fuck, he's cl- clearly going to have the, the high level experience here. But yeah, fu- I mean, fuck if I know, I don't know. He kind of clowned uh, Chase Hooper. I think Chase Hooper's probably a better fighter than Kevin Kroom. I don't know. That's just the that's the MMA math that's available to me with with a fighter that I have no clue about. But yeah, we'll pick Alex Caceres, and I don't know. Fuck it, we'll go by second round TKO. Not that it matters. Uh, moving on here, still on the prelims. It's a middleweight bout here between Zach Cummins and Alessio Di Chirico. Um, Cummins is twenty three and seven. Di Chirico, Di Chirico. That's a tough one. Uh, 12 and 4. Uh, Zach is the minus 110 favorite. Alessio is the minus 120 favorite. So they're both favorites. Everybody wins. Everybody gets the trophy. They're both favorites. Uh, Cummings is 36, a UFC vet. Uh, I didn't realize how good of a UFC fighter this guy was. Uh, you know, he's he's very streaky. He'll go on. He definitely wins more fights than he loses in the UFC, which is impressive, just on a, on a base level, but he'll win two or three fights, and then he'll lose one to a, a, a tough opponent. Uh, coming off of a loss to Omari Akhmedov 11 months ago, um, you know, but then before that, a two-fight two winning streak over Trevin Giles and Trevor Smith, Trevor Smith, um, a split decision loss to Priseris, two more wins, a loss to Ponzinibbio, two more wins, a loss to Gunnar Nelson, so kind of a, kind of a guy who gets a little bit of traction it's a little bit of shine in the UFC over some pretty, pretty tough guys like a Yakovlev, a Dalby. Um, you know, these are not slouches. They're not necessarily killers, but you know, they're not slouches. Um, but yeah, a guy who's been around the sport for a, a, a long time. And then you look at uh, uh, Di Chirico. Uh, I think he's three and four in the UFC. So, you know, I don't know. We've we've heard Dana White saying that there there is probably a massive. Uh, layoff coming for UFC fighters just because they're signing so many uh, contender series guys that contractually they can't offer three fights a year to a lot of these guys who are kind of, you know, sinking in the UFC. So perhaps more than ever, it's important to win fights. Like I, I, if I was Alex Caceres, I'd be fucking concerned, even though he's been in the UFC for a long time. Um, like I would hate to be a fighter that loses on this card because they're they're signing four to five contender series guys every single week and we're only on week four when we still got six more weeks and you look at the contender series how successful it's been uh they're finding a lot of good talent so i have a funny feeling they're going to continue to keep getting more and more and more uh people from the contender series so fuck dude if you're a an emily whitmire or a pauliana viana uh you better win if you're a caceres you better win if you're a, a D Chirico, yeah, you you better fucking win because you don't want to be on a three fight losing streak when they start looking up and down the roster and trying to trim the fat here. Now, uh, he he lost his last fight to Mahmoud Muradov, and then before that, a loss to Kevin Holland. Uh, Kevin Holland's a really good fighter. Now he's had a couple of fights, uh, kind of fizzled out here against all against different guys: Peter Sabota, Antonio Arroyo, the Contender Series guy; Marcus Perez, the guy who dressed up like the Joker. And Abu Azatar, they settle here on Zach Cummins. 
Uh, don't have a lot to say about D. Chirico. Seems like a funny guy because he was the guy who uh, said Baba da Boopy on uh, fucking live TV. But uh, I think he's he's probably going to lose this one. I think uh, Cummings is going to have the certainly he's going to have more experience than this guy. He does have some pretty solid wins in the UFC. Uh, from a technical standpoint, I don't have a whole lot to say on this because uh, I don't have uh, a whole lot of tape on either of these two gentlemen. But yeah, we'll go with Zach Cummings, and and you know we'll say by by decision. By decision. All right, moving on here. Still on the prelims. Still on the prelims. Uh, Mallory Martin taking on Hannah Cyphers in the women's strawweight division. Uh, Martin is six and three. Cyphers is ten and six. Martin is the prohibitive minus three twenty-five favorite. Now Martin, she's twenty-six. Uh, she lost her last fight to Verna Jandaroba. Old old Rob Schneider. All, uh, all uh, cross eyes. Um, but she's five and one in her last six, and I don't know. You got to throw records out of the window to some degree in in women's MMA in the UFC, just because. Yeah, a lot of women's mixed martial artists in the UFC don't really have great records, but that doesn't mean they're not good fighters. You know, we're we're still kind of in the infancy of female mixed martial arts. I mean, you know. Women have only been allowed to fight in the UFC since February of 2013. I mean, the men have been doing it 20 years before then. So, you know what I mean? It, it's it's still kind of developing. It's developing very, very quickly, of course. But, you know, it's it's not quite to the level of, of you know, the, the men's welterweight division. You know, probably the best division in, the, in, in, you know, all of mixed martial arts. So, 6-3, and three, I look at that, I'd say, yeah, that's a pretty solid record. Um... Again, 26. She came from the Contender Series, Invicta, and LFA. I mean, three of the best feeding grounds you, you fucking possibly could have for a prospect. Certainly a female prospect. I mean, Invicta's very good at sending over uh, solid UFC fighters. Um, Hannah Cyphers. I'm not going to say... I'm not going to say anything about Hannah Cyphers. I don't want to be mean. Uh, Shockwave is a cool nickname. Uh, her performances, to me, are shocking. Uh, she's 0-3 in the UFC in 2020. She's about to be 0-4. Uh, we're going to pick Mallory Martin on this one, and that's all I have to say about it because I don't want to be mean to people. Uh, that's my new goal. I'm not trying to be mean because people don't like mean people. So I wish... May, may the best uh, woman win the fight. That's all I have to say. Alrighty, moving on here to the prelim... Main event of the prelim. God, that always trips me up. That always trips me up. I always say it in the wrong order, and then I'm, I'm second-guessing myself. The main event of the prelims. Wow, the main event. Uh, it takes place in the middleweight division. It's Maki Patolo, who's 13-6, and six, taking on Impa Kasangane, who's 7-0. and no. uh, Impa is the minus-130 favorite. These odds... Uh, come via uh, Bovada. I, I probably should have said that for the last like fucking six fights I did, so people knew where the odds were. Um, but yeah, these all these odds come from Bovada. Um, I don't know. This is this is interesting. This is interesting. Um, I like Maki. Uh, the Coconut Bombs with a Z. That's a that's a cool nickname. A little cartoonish, but you know what? I like it. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I get it. He hits hard, and he's from Hawaii. The Coconut Bombs. Uh, he's one and two in the UFC though. That's not that's not gonna go good for you. You can't. Uh, 
I'd be scared if I if I was Maki Patolo and I lost this one. Uh, if I go one and three in the UFC, and again, like I just said a couple of minutes ago, the UFC is. Uh, uh, I gotta take a phone call here. My bad. Alrighty, back from a bullshit phone call. Lots of fucking scammers out there, people. If you're a scammer, if you're a scammer and you're listening to this show, go fuck yourself. I just want you to know that. Uh, fuck scammers. Um, I have a bunch of fucking bunch of phone calls, bunch of text messages about uh, modeling. People think I'm a model, so they keep uh, they 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 want me to audition for some modeling thing, which you know is fair. I could be a model. I'm you know I'm probably a nine point five out of ten. I'm a very good looking guy. Uh, I, I do look like I'm, I'm chiseled out of marble, but um, surprisingly, surprisingly, when people meet me, I have to explain to them I'm not a model. Um, so yeah, I'm sure they want my, uh, <laughs> I'm sure they want my credit card number and and stuff like that. So yeah, fuck scammers. Where was I? Uh, Maki Patolo. Yeah, I'd be scared if I went one and three. That's not going to be good. Uh, he has one win. It's over Charles Bird. Uh, that's pretty bad. If you look at Charles Bird's UFC record. Ah, I mean, you know, that's that's not a very high-level UFC win. Now, Maki Patolo, he's probably in the good graces of the UFC because this is his third fight in under three months. So he had the win over Charles Bird. He had the, well, he's scheduled to fight Impa Kasangane here. Um, and who, who else was in that three-fight streak? Was it Callan Potter? Um, oh, Darren Stewart, of course. Yeah, he fought Darren Stewart. Uh... 21 days ago, if you're listening to this on Saturday, I don't know what the fucking math is right now, uh, 18 days ago, I guess, there we go, uh, but yeah, being active will definitely help you, but, uh, winning will help you a lot more than just, uh, just being active will, uh, Kasangane, I gotta say, I did not watch his, uh, performance on the Contender Series, I missed that, uh, fight card, I, I, I have to go back and watch it, I have to go back and watch it, but I missed it, because that was the that was the week of the contender series where uh, three fighter or no all five fighters got contracts all five winners got contracts so I probably should watch that um, but yeah I gotta gotta be honest I didn't see it so I don't have a whole lot to say about Impa uh, I am gonna go with Impa though because uh, people do think that uh, uh, he is the better fighter <sighs> I'm gonna go with Impa because I'm, I'm gonna go with the unknown I kind of know what Maki Patolo is he's he's a guy who doesn't have a super awesome ground game. His striking is a little rudimentary from what I've seen, but he does have power. Okay, well, a lot of people have power, so I'm going to go with Impa Kasangane on this one. Alrighty, moving on now to the main card. Uh, we have in the light heavyweight division... Excuse me, I need, a, I need a sip of my coffee here. Man, those scammers are, are something else. Uh, keep texting the fuck out of me. Uh, so on the main card opener, we have a light heavyweight bout here between the number 13 ranked light heavyweight Magomed Ankalaev versus Iwan Kutalaba. Ankalaev is 13-1, and Kutalaba is 15-5. and uh, Ankalaev is the minus 335 favorite. Um... Yeah, this is the fight that did, didn't have to happen. I can tell you that much. This is the fight card that nobody... Or the, the fight that nobody asked for. Um, it doesn't, doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me um, why, why this fight is happening. Um, I understand there was the shenanigans in the first one. 
Um, so let, let me just say, that was a really stupid move by Kutalaba to fake being um, rocked. Now, I don't think he really was rocked. I do think it was a bad stoppage. But I could understand why the ref stopped that fight. You always want to err on the side of caution. Um, you know what I mean? And that's a fucking stupid game plan to pretend to be fucking injured and wobble back and forth. Um, it's a good game plan if you can knock him out. But <laughs> I, I, you have to consider the fact that the ref might think you, you got hurt. If I was Kutalaba and that was my game plan, I would be... I think it was Kevin McDonald who was the referee in that one. I would, during the, the pre-fight meetings or whatever, where the ref comes in and talks to the to the fighter, I would make it crystal fucking clear that my game plan early on would, would be to fake being rocked. Because none of those punches or kicks landed, at least super cleanly. Like, if you, when you see it in slow motion, you can tell very clearly that Kutalaba's faking it. But refs have a fucking tough job. Okay, they have a tough job. They're probably fucking wired. They're looking out for your safety. They don't have the advantage of watching it in fucking slow motion. They got to make a decision at that moment. And, you know, I'm sure Kevin McDonald would, would feel very shitty if Kutalaba was really hurt and he let that fight go for 20 seconds more and Ankaliyev head kicked him into the fucking next dimension. You know, if he just Miracle Krokop fucking cemetery kicked him, I'm sure he'd feel very bad about that. And obviously that wasn't the, the, the case because he wasn't hurt, but I would be, I would make it very, very crystal clear to, to tell him that this is my game plan, um, shitty, shitty thing, unfortunate, um, but we don't have to run this back, we don't have to fucking run this back, dude, uh, Ankalaev, he's looking up in the rankings, not down in the rankings, Kutalaba's not ranked, doesn't make any sense, they tried to do this fight two months later at, uh, 249, they tried to do it, um, a couple of weeks ago, and Kutalaba tested positive for COVID, now they're going to try to do it here. Um, whatever, man. I do think Ankalaev is going to is gonna put a beating on him. I think Ankalaev is the far better fighter here. Um, and, and, and the thing is, so I was kind of thinking about this. So Ankalaev, uh, he, he's ranked number 13. He's uh, 14 and 1. Or is he 13 and 1? Oh, computer froze. Very nice. Uh, 13 and 1. So... What if he never lost to Paul Craig? So his only loss is to Paul Craig, uh, and he got choked out by a triangle choke at the last second, the last second of the fight, 4.59 in the third round, he got choked out, and that was in his UFC debut. Since then, he's been on a four-fight winning streak. What if he was on a five-fight winning streak? Dude, he might, he might be ranked like number fucking eight. You know what I mean? If he was an undefeated Russian prospect in the light heavyweight division, which is slowly getting deeper and deeper, but you know, over the last couple of years has kind of, kind of been a little, a little shallow. Instead of thirteen, dude, he like he might be fighting fucking Anthony Smith. He he might be fighting Anthony Smith uh, this Saturday. So it's kind of it's kind of weird to consider that because Paul Craig was getting his ass beat for the majority of that fight. And just sunk in the choke at the final second. Um, so that's interesting. Um, I do think this will be a good fight, though. Kutalaba always brings it. Um, kind of flip-flopping wins and losses. Um, you know, he, he has the win over Roundtree, which was fucking brutal. That was a brutal elbow. But then a loss to Glover to share before that. Uh, Kutalaba is a finisher. This guy is a finisher. I don't think he's been to many, many decisions. Um... 
So some of the fights on the Bulgarian regional scene, they don't have a, a method of victory. Um, but he's only ever been to a decision victory one time. One time. And that was his second fight in the UFC versus Jonathan Wilson. So this guy is a murderer. Uh, he likes to kill people in the octagon. So uh, it'll be it'll be good. It'll be good. I, somebody's getting finished. I don't really see this one going to a decision. I, either Ankalaev finishes him or Kutalaba finishes Magomed. But I don't I don't see this reaching the final bell. Uh, and like I said, I will go Ankalaev on this one. Uh, I'm not going to say my method because I don't want certain people who live in Oakdale poaching my fucking picks because we we have a lot of similar picks lately. And, you know, it's getting... I just I just became the champ again for the second time. So I'm looking to keep my belt. So I'm not going to say the method on this one or the round. Um, but, yeah, we'll go we'll go Ankalaev on this one. All right, moving on here on the main card. Uh, in the featherweight division, we have Ricardo Lamas taking on Bill Algio. Lamas is 19-8. and eight. Algio is 13-4. and four. Lamas is the minus 270 favorite. Uh, like we said at the onset of the show, um, Lamas was supposed to fight um, Ryan Hall. Jesus, I, why did I blank on his name? Ryan Hall. He was supposed to fight Ryan Hall. Um, unfortunately, didn't happen. Ryan Hall got injured. Um... I don't know a damn thing about Bill Algio. Um, I can just tell you that when it comes to uh, Ricardo Lamas, this guy does not take a fight off. So I know he's he's on quite the losing streak here. So he's on... Uh, actually, I want to say it's only a two-fight losing streak. If my computer would stop getting destroyed. Okay, a one-fight losing streak, but he lost two fights before that. So he's lost three of his last four. But you look at his last, like... Jesus Christ, you look at his last, like, ten fights. Now, he's he's lost most of these, but these are... Might be the toughest schedule in the featherweight division, to be honest with you. Chad Mendez, Diego Sanchez, Max Holloway, Charles Oliveira, Jason Knight, Josh Emmett, Mursad Bektik, uh, Darren Elkins, and Calvin Cater. So, I mean... Fuck, he's getting up there in age, though. He is 38, which is pretty darn old. Um... Even for a even for a featherweight, I know I always say I know I always say that, um, you know, like being old is especially bad at at one twenty five and one thirty five. I don't know. It's it's also pretty bad at one forty five as well. So, um, but I I don't think that's gonna factor in here because I think he beats Bill Algio. I got absolutely nothing to say about old Billy Boy, um, but Lamas is is in my opinion the far better fighter here. Uh, so we'll go uh, Ricardo Lamas. Uh, he'll get back on track. Uh, with a win here in 2020. Um, well, I suppose they could look... Oh, that's right. He has a cool nickname. Senior Perfecto. Senior Perfecto. Doesn't seem to be a Spanish-speaking gentleman. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so he did fight on the Contender Series. He lost to Brandon Lochnane, um, who was the guy who pissed blood after that fight and then got signed by the PFL. That's basically all I know about about this guy. So... Uh, yeah, we'll go. We'll go with uh, Ricardo Lamas. No need to drag it on any further. Uh, moving on here, um, in the featured bout on the main card, it's a women's flyweight fight here between Ji Yan Kim and Alexa Grasso. Kim is nine two and two. Grasso is the number eleventh ranked strawweight. Uh, she is eleven and three. Actually, she might be the number eleven ranked bantamweight if I could pull up the rankings here my computer 
is in complete disarray. Yeah, the, okay, so the number 11 ranked strawweight, so she's actually fighting up a weight class here probably due to, you know, the old COVID Ruski. Um, and I know, not that it matters, not that it matters, but I could check the UFC rankings here. Um, I think Jiyeon Kim is ranked. Um, yeah, so she's ranked at number 14 in the flyweight division, which I think is fucking ridiculous. Uh, but she is ranked according to the UFC. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really see why, and I can explain that in a second once uh, I take another sip of coffee here. Oh, and this is as good of a time as ever to say this is the Mailman's Lock of the Week, Alexa Grasso. It's time now for the Mailman's Lock of the Week. So, there you heard it. Alexa Grasso is the Mailman's Lock of the Week. Uh, Only 27. Only 27, so she's kind of really just entering her prime uh, she is coming off of a uh, majority decision loss to Carla Esparza in September of 2019. Uh, I can tell you for a fucking fact, Carla Esparza lost that fight. So, you know, Grasso should be on a two-fight winning streak. A win over Karolina Kovalkiewicz, a tough loss to Tatiana Suarez, uh, who I think is probably a future champ. Um, whenever whenever she can get back, I know she's had some health issues, uh, God bless, but Tatiana Suarez is a future champ. Uh, but Grasso's, Grasso's no slouch. Now, Gian Kim, like I said, she's ranked according to the UFC. Uh, I don't see how. Don't see how. So she has a finish over Nadia Kasim at UFC 243. Um, a loss to Shevchenko before that. And then the two fights before that are split decision wins over Melinda Fabian and Justine Kish. And her UFC debut was a uh, unanimous decision loss to Lucia Pudilova. Um, that doesn't scream being ranked to me. I understand, uh, flyweight is a very, very shallow division. I understand that. I understand it. But, holy shit, yeah. Being three and two in the UFC with two split decision wins, uh, and, and, uh, a finish over Nadia Kasim, who absolutely is nowhere near being ranked, I don't understand how you get to number 14. That makes no sense. Uh, and this is why Grasso's the mailman's lock of the week. I think, uh, uh, Grasso is going to outclass Kim, uh, I, I honestly don't think it's going to be that close. I mean, Grasso, yeah, she's had some tough losses. Uh, she's been screwed by the judges in, in at least one of her fights, but much higher competition level. Um, I don't, I honestly don't think Kim, at the time of any of her fights, has fought a ranked opponent. I think Shevchenko might have been ranked slightly after they they both fought, but I don't think when they fought that she was ranked. So. I mean, there's there's a really big skill gap here between the two fighters. Alexa Grasso by decision. Moving on here to the co-main event of the evening. It's a welterweight bout here between ruthless Robbie Lawler and the Haitian sensation Neil Magny. Ro- uh, Robbie Lawler is ranked 15th. He's 28 and 14. Neil Magny is ranked 13. Uh, and he is 23 and 7. Magni is the minus 250 favorite. Uh, this one is going to be a fucking tough one for me to decide. I'm going to give my pick right now, but I've, obviously, if you don't know, so I give my picks on these preview shows, 
but the official picks come from my Twitter account the day of the fights uh, when I circle the picks on the UFC graphic. Those are my official picks. So right now, these picks are subject to change, which I might flip-flop back and forth between Robbie Lawler and Neil Magny here because, boy, this is a fucking pick-em if I've ever seen one in my mind. I guess not in the, I, I, not in the mind of, <laughs> you know, uh, the, the Bovada because, you know, minus 250 favorite here. But Robbie Lawler, former welterweight champ, he's now 38 years old, which, fuck, look at what 38 years old is doing to Tyron Woodley. I mean, that is getting up there. He's on a three-fight losing streak. Now, he's also lost four of his last five, but these are against extremely tough competition. I mean, holy shit, Colby Covington might be the best welterweight on the on the planet certainly the second best welterweight on the planet um that was a historic loss for Robbie Lawler I mean Covington put a fucking striking clinic on him um a loss to Ben Askren which probably shouldn't have happened I mean it was the choke was a little early uh but fair enough Ben Askren one of the best on the planet a loss to Rafael de Sanos that dude that dude is very underrated his last win this being Robbie Lawler was at UFC 214 versus Cowboy Cerrone. And then the fight before that, he got knocked out and lost the belt to Tyron Woodley. Now, this isn't 20 this is not 2015-2016 anymore. So this is not Robbie Lawler in his in his prime. Um we have him ranked at 15. I think the UFC has him ranked at 12. Uh he has not won since 2017. So honestly, North Star Sports ranking Robbie Lawler is a Major mistake, a major blessing for Robbie Lawler. Because, dude, if you don't win for fucking 37 months, for you to be ranked... I, I understand he took on very good competition. I understand that. But if you don't win for 37 months, holy shit, you're lucky to be ranked. Purely out of respect. Now, Neil Magny, like we said, this guy's a fucking baller. This guy's a G. He went 9-1. and one. He had 10 UFC fights in, in, in 24 months, in, in two calendar years. Um, he had that real bad loss, like we said, to Ponzinibbio in the main event of UFC Argentina uh, back in November of 2018. So he had a 15-month layoff, came back, and he's had two un- unanimous decision victories over uh, Jin Liang Li and uh, Anthony Rocco Martin. So this is a step up in competition for Neil Magny. Now, he's been there before because he's fought, he's fought very high-level guys like uh, Maya, like a Gastelum like uh, Hendricks, Osanjos, Condit, Ponzinibbio, but he hasn't fought those guys at that level for a few years at this point. So this one is very interesting to me. Um, I fuck. I don't know. I, I I don't know why. It's just a feeling, but I have a, I have a feeling this is pretty much going to be a kickboxing match. I don't really see this fight going to the ground. And as it stands right now, I'm picking Robbie Lawler. I am picking Robbie Lawler. I know Magni is is a Two, minus 250 is actually a pretty heavy favorite, to be honest. I guess technically you might classify that as moderate, but um, I don't know. It's just it's a gut feeling. I know he's had the losses. I'm not one of these people who's like, oh, I, I liked Robbie Lawler back in 2015. So, uh, you know, he's going to rekindle prime Robbie, Robbie Lawler five years later after all these wars. No, but I still think he has enough in the gas tank to probably get a win over Neil Magny. It's going to be fucking tough. I'm going to go by split decision even. I, I don't really ever pick that. Um, but I'm going to go by split decision because I think this is going to be a very, very close fight. Hopefully the judges are on point. Um, 
But yeah, I'm going to go Robbie Lawler in this one. Now moving on here to the main event of the evening. It's a three-round main event because it was supposed to be the co-main event for the longest time. Uh, it's in the light heavyweight division. It's between number five ranked Anthony Lionheart Smith. Comes in with a record of 33-15. and 15, Versus the number eight ranked Alexander Rakic, who's 12-2. and two. Rakic is the minus 280 favorite, which shocked me, I gotta say. Uh, I would have figured the odds were a little bit closer. Um, interesting, interesting fight. So, um, age-wise and body-wise... As Mike Goldberg would say, virtually identical. Uh, Smith is 32. Rakic is 28. I mean, that's, uh, I guess, four years difference. But that's kind of the same. You know what I mean? They're both, 32 is still pretty fucking young to be in the UFC. Um, They're both 6'4". Rakic is going to have a two-inch reach advantage. So, I mean, you know, physically, frame-wise, these guys are pretty much identical. Uh, Smith, he has lost two of his last three. He had a real, I would, I would say bad, but he could, he could have won that fight versus Glover. Uh, he did too much in the first round. He gassed out. Uh, he tried to put a pace that he could not keep on Glover uh, and then suffered a real bad loss, a real bad beating, teeth getting knocked out and shit like that. Uh, that's real bad. Now, he's fought a lot of old guys, so when you look at his record, I mean, obviously he has the win over Rashad Evans in a, in a bad way, that knee, and then... Uh, the, the brutal finish of Shogun Hua. But let's not forget, yeah, he does have some wins over some old guys that were, were certainly over the hill. But the Gustafsson win is a very solid win in, in Sweden. And the Uzdemir fight, that was a very good fight too. I mean, Uzdemir was winning the first two rounds of that fight. and he I'm not going to say Uzdemir was close to finishing Smith, but uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, yeah, he was kind of fucking close. Um... Smith weathered the storm and and choked him out. Choked him out in a bad way. Uh, blood was spurting everywhere. So that was the fight that earned him the title shot versus John Jones in his next fight. Um, so Smith is tough. He could take a beating and come back from it. Um, Rakic. I I mean, if do you guys want to see a dead body? He killed Jimmy Manoa. He fucking killed him. That head kick is that might be one of the more vicious head kicks I've ever seen in an MMA contest, he, oh man, that was a fucking real bad head kick, real bad head kick, now, the fight after that, he lost to Volkan, but Volkan's a tough guy, Volkan's a tough guy, some people get past him, some people don't, you know, Prohaska got past him, Rakic didn't, so, as Corey Anderson would say, there's levels to this, there's levels to this, um, but I'm, I'm still a big fan of Rakic, I mean, he did have that fucking 12-fight winning streak, Lost his first fight and lost his last fight. Um, but it was it was a split decision uh, loss to Uzdemir. And fucking actually, you know what? Let's pull up my favorite website of all time, uh, MMA Decisions. and Because I want to see that. I want to see that. Because um, I vaguely remember Uzdemir fighting Rakic. Uh, it doesn't really stand out to me as, as one of those fights that, you know, I just remember off the top of the old dome uh, as I get another sip of coffee. Uh, yeah, so looking here, oh, holy shit, okay, <laughs> so they have, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven of, se so they have the media scores, which I like, and again, 
MMA media generally gets scores right. They generally get scores right. So seven media members scored it for Rakic, and one media member scored it for Uzdemir. Uh, Pete Carroll of MMA Fighting scored it 29-28 for Uzdemir. Uh, then five media members scored it 29-28 for Rakic, and two of them even scored it 30-27 for Rakic. So I vaguely remember this fight. It was in... It, it was... Uh, uh, Edgar versus a Korean zombie because it was in South Korea. I don't know why I don't... Oh, you know why? Because it was on Korean time. So it was on at like fucking 5 in the morning in the U.S. So that's probably why I don't remember it. I, I'm sure I I'm sure I watched the entire fight card because uh, I watch every UFC fight card. But it definitely wasn't live. So I think that's why I don't remember it because it was, it was the weird time zone uh, ordeal. But okay, so that changes everything. Because I thought he legitimately lost to Uzdemir, but I guess I was just misremembering or just not even remembering the fight at all. So, arguably, this is a guy who should be undefeated in the UFC, you know. So, wins a unanimous decision, according to a lot of people, over Uzdemir. That's probably why he's fighting uh, Anthony Smith and not fighting, you know, fucking Johnny Walker down in the rankings. So, they treated it like Rackets beat Uzdemir. Um, And, fuck, dude, he, he killed Jimmy Manuel. That might be one of the best knockouts in the last couple of years. Brutal head kick. Rewatched that fight because it was on the UFC free fights or whatever on their YouTube page. Uh, very vicious. Very vicious. So I got to say, I'm going to go with Alexander Rakic in this one. Uh, the three round instead of a five round is interesting. Obviously, uh, well, Smith, when he was on the Believe You Me podcast, said he turned down the five rounds because he said it's it's a completely different thing, which... Fair enough, he has the right to do that, and I agree. Three rounds is very different than five rounds. But I will say, Smith is probably much more equipped at this point in his career to go five, five rounds than Ra- over Rakic. Rakic, I don't think, has ever gone five rounds, certainly in the UFC. And and Smith has. Smith has. Um, didn't go super awesome for him because he, you know, he lost to John Jones, but that's the greatest of all time. So he's going to have the ex- experience advantage here for a uh, fucking fact. I mean... It's going to be his 49th MMA fight. 49th MMA fight. Only going to be Rakic's uh, 15th. Although Rakic has a lot of kickboxing uh, experience, apparently. Um, which I also learned from the Believe You Me podcast. Shout out to uh, shout out to those guys over there. That's a, a very solid podcast. Arguably the second best podcast when it comes to MMA outside of North Star Sports. I mean, you know. North Star Sports, I mean, that's just, I mean, when you think of MMA, you think of North Star Sports. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go Rakic on this one. I'm going to go by decision. Uh, he does have finishing power, um, and, and Smith is going to have the the, the experience uh, advantage here, which is going to make it interesting, but I just think Rakic is probably more talented. Um, and yeah, I, I think he's really on the rise. I mean, this this was a guy who, after he beat um, Manawa, because that was at a time with John Jones where you're going... Well, who the fuck is next for John Jones? He's cl- he's cleared out two, three, four generations of light heavyweights. What the fuck is next for him? And then obviously, you know, it was Smith, Santos, and Reyes, but not big name guys. But you look at Rakic, you know, because a lot of people thought Johnny Walker was going to be next in line if he won one or two more fights. Because you go, well, here's a funky, weird guy, knockout power, unorthodox striking, six foot six at two o five. You know, this guy could be the next big thing. And, and if he beat Corey Anderson, he might have fought John Jones. Um, 
But yeah, Rakic was also one of those guys because the light heavyweight division kind of skewed a little bit older uh, a couple of years ago. But like I said, it was shallower back then, but now it's getting it's actually getting surprisingly deep. So, you know, this is interesting. I don't... With Reyes and, and Blahovich fighting for the title next month, I don't know who fights the winner. It's going to be really interesting. Everything's kind of up for grabs since John Jones, you know, really is leaving a vacuum in the light heavyweight division. Um, fuck, I don't know. I mean, you could convince me... I mean, like... Honestly, you could convince me any any type of way about it. Um the winner of Santos and, and Teixeira. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Two versus four. The winner of that one should fight the winner of Reyes and Blahovic. You could argue that it's a it's a four-person tournament right now. You know, Reyes and, Bl- and Blahovic obviously get to fight for the title, but you could argue that it, it's, you know, an old-school Final Four because the winner of Santos and Teixeira is probably going to fight for the belt. So Santos could fight for the belt. Teixeira could fight for the belt. Anthony Smith is sitting there at number five. If he beats Rakic in convincing fashion... You could make a case, uh, <laughs> bringing up my inner Mike Tyson. Uh, you could make a case that Anthony Smith should be next in line for a title. Yuri Prohasco f- fucking killed a guy. He, he killed Uzdemir. You could make a case that Prohasco would, would be an interesting fight. Probably a weak case he should fight for the title, but it would be an interesting, uh, you know, fight. You know, maybe if he gets one more win under his belt, he's already at number six. You know, why shouldn't he fight for the title? Rakic, what if Rakic goes out there and smokes uh, Smith? So then he's, he's, in people's minds, he's beaten Uzdemir, he's beaten uh, Smith, two former title challengers. Why not him? So anybody in that top eight could fight for a title, um, you know, after Reyes and Blahovich get done with it. So, you know, it, it, it's, it'll be interesting. It'll be really interesting. Uh, but yeah, like I said, Rakic, probably by decision, but who knows? Again, I don't want... Don't want certain blonde-haired people in Oakland, uh, or Oakdale, you know, poaching my fucking picks. Uh, let's see what we're doing for time here. Ah, we are well over time, but not really, though, because we're, we're not on, we're not on radio, we're not on the dial, we're not on TV, we don't have 45 minutes to, to, you know, go out here and, and, you know, put everything in, in a nice hour block. We can go as long as we want, and we're gonna go as long as we want, as long as we want, because we also have... Uh, some other talkers to get to. Um, yeah, so like I said, we have to recap uh, the contender series. We'll do that pretty quickly here. Um, it was a good a good night of fights, as I need to take another sip of coffee here to stay energized. Uh, but yeah, it was a good, it was a good uh, night of fights. Shout out to Minnesota. Colin Huckbody gets a contract. He's now in the UFC. He beat Kyron Bowen. Uh, shout out to fucking Colin Huckbody, eh? A fucking Minnesotan out there fucking getting a contract with the UFC. That's fucking huge. And he's a fucking big guy as well. He's six foot three, 185 pounds. Um, he fought at uh, Itasca Community College. So, you know, people call him the young Huck. Uh, I, I like it. He's got a good ground game. Put a fucking beating on uh, Kyron Bowen in his third straight arm triangle choke in a row. Uh, I think he could he could do something very special. Uh, I forget where they said he was from. Uh, I know he trains in, in St. Cloud, Minnesota, and then down over in um, uh, New Mexico. Oh, that was more Australian there. Uh, but down in New Mexico. Um, but I think he's from Park Rapids. Uh, so, fucking shout out to Park Rapids, eh? 
Because fucking, I used to go camping up there a lot as a kid. That's a fucking potato lake. It's a beautiful fucking lake. So Park Rapids, nice fucking people up there in Park Rapids. God's country up there. That's what we like to call it. God's country. That's what fucking Park Rapids is. So shout the fuck out to Colin Huckbody. Yeah, I, I hope that guy becomes, I will always root for Colin Huckbody. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck if he's fighting Israel Adele Lasagna. We're, we're going to fucking pick Colin Huckbody because we got to represent our own here in, in the North Star State. Um, honestly, probably the fighter who I'm most excited about outside of Colin Huckbody was Anthony Romero, who was the only winner who did not get a contract. I think Romero, like Day- Uncle Dana said, is, gonna, is going to fight in the UFC someday. Obviously, just not today because he didn't get the contract. He fucking put a beating on Mike Breeden. Now, I know he, he's got to work on his finishing ability because he had Mike Breeden very hurt. If he would have landed one more leg kick in the middle of that third round when, when Breeden was about to fall over, um, he would have won that fight. So the, the finishing ability is not there, but the skill is absolutely there for Romero. I mean, he's a young, he's a young fucking Latin Canadian version of GSP. You know, like like they were saying on the broadcast, his takedowns are great. His striking is awesome. He's he's like a fucking at least a brown bout in in like three different fucking disciplines. You know what I mean? He's like an expert in BJJ, an expert in I forget the other shit, sambo or something. So that kid is really the complete package. He just has to get a little more experience and work on his finishing ability. I would have signed him. I would have signed him after after that performance. I know that there were things to nitpick. Certainly. Certainly there were things to nitpick, um, but I, I would have signed him. I'm, I'm really, really uh, high on that guy because also he had uh, a shit ton of amateur fights as well. He had nine amateur fights, went eight and one as an amateur. Um, so fucking he's got a lot of experience already, and, and I think he'll do um, good things at some point in the UFC. Mike Breeden, tough son of a bitch as well. I would consider him for a short notice fight if somebody fell out at 155. Uh, we also had Jeff Molina win a unanimous decision over Jacob Silva. Uh, he got a contract. Uh, he looks dangerous. He, he tagged Silva a couple of times, a couple of good head kicks, solid performance by Molina. They need all the flyweights they possibly could get. Uh, in the co-main event, we had Rafael Alves beat Alejandro Flores. Great performance by Alves. I think that guy is going to come in and, you know, He's certainly, certainly in his prime right now because I think he's a little bit older. Um, almost has 30 fights uh, under his belt. He's 29, so he's he's right in his prime right now. He's on a five-fight winning streak. He's finished all uh, three of his last, all three of his his, his last opponents. Uh, but this, this is a guy who has a lot of experience. Um, he does have a, a fair amount of losses, but he's kind of pulling it together. Seems like an interesting guy. Hit the hit the fucking cartwheel fucking flip uh, a couple of times before the fight and this is a big guy holy shit I'd be I don't know what this guy has to cut but holy shit he might dude he might he might give Glayson Tebow a run for his money for, for how much weight he cuts he probably cuts a lot of weight he looks like a big boy for 155 he looks really big it wouldn't shock me if he had to cut like 35 pounds or something he's massive but that's that's a good addition to the UFC, and again, I, I get so excited about these contender series guys because just look at, dude, half the UFC roster is fucking contender series guys. I mean, this is the number one place to get solid UFC fighters, um, 
So that's interesting. Uh, what's also interesting is we have breaking news: the Bucks boycott Game Five. Uh, so that is uh, that's interesting. I wonder how that will uh, work out. They boycotted because of uh, what's the gentleman's name? Uh, Jacob Blake. Yeah, that whole stuff over there in uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, so that's interesting. That's interesting. I don't have a whole lot to say about that, but that is interesting. Um, and then Jamie Pickett, third time's a charm, goes out there and knocks out. Uh, fuck, I forgot how they said his name. Is it just Jonathan Potty? We'll go Potty. We'll go by his last name because I, I don't know how to say his first name. But he was the fullback for RG3 and teammates of Jeff Neal, which they said on the broadcast about 17 times, but both very interesting facts. Um, and Pickett hit him with the old fucking 22 piece and a soda. 22-punch fucking finishing combination, which is impressive. He's got finishing power. Um, I don't know. I, we'll, we'll see with Jamie Pickett. I mean, you know, we'll see. We'll see. That was a fantastic performance, a good job by Jamie Pickett. Um, I don't know. You know, he has a loss to Charles Bird on the Contender Series <coughs> and a loss to Punalele, uh Soriano. So, I don't know. He does have to step up his... His, uh, you know, his competition, but I'm rooting for the guy. Seems like a good guy. Uh, his interviews were were very compelling, trying to set an example for kids and his daughter, and you know all that type of stuff you hear from every fighter on the Contender Series. But you know, seems like a great guy. So, um, rooting for that guy as he moves forward. And shit, if he could have performances like like he had uh, last night in the UFC, I mean, you know, fuck it, he's he's gonna win some some 50 grand bonuses. You know what I mean? So. Uh, good performance by Jamie, the Night Wolf Picket. And that's pretty much all I got to say about the Contender Series. Uh, so let's see here. Let's try to trim the fat. Um, yeah, we can skip the hotel story. Uh, <laughs> Luke Rockhold. I saw a video from Luke Rockhold sparring that one guy. I think Jason Jackson, who was on the uh, Ultimate Fighter this season. Kamaru Usman won. Black Zillions versus ATT. Um... Yeah, I don't know. We'll end on this one, and I don't have a whole lot of fucking... I don't have a whole lot to say about Luke Rockhold. Uh, I'm still the best motherfucker in the gym. That's a quote from Luke Rockhold. Yeah, maybe in the gym, but not in the octagon. Um, I, If he wants to come back, I'd be interested in seeing him fight just because he is the former UFC middleweight champ, strike force champ. He is very good, but fuck it, dude. If Honestly, if he could defend a left hook, ah, you know, he, he might... Uh, he might actually, you know, be able to string together some wins here. I mean, I think Romero finished him with a left hook. Uh, Bisping definitely beat him with a left hook, and Blahovich knocked him out with a left hook. So uh, Luke out cold has been uh, knocked out several, several times, but he is a very talented fighter, and I don't think he's too old, uh, to be honest with you. I think he's probably only 34. So, I mean, if he wanted to put on weight the right way, and, and try it again at um, at light heavyweight. I mean, fuck it. I'd be I'd be interested. I'd be interested. Or, uh, oh, so he's 35. All right. It's a little bit older than I thought. But, um, yeah, training down in, in, in Florida, left AKA. Um, I don't know if it was just a, a, some Twitter trending stuff I saw or if it was a quote from Luke Rockhold, but I believe he has interest in fighting Weidman in the rematch, which, fuck, I'd be very interested in that. I think that'd be too interesting i i would hate to use the word celebrity fighters because that that's a little demeaning but um you know two high profile uh fighters i I think that would be an interesting matchup you know two guys at the same point in their careers you know probably a few years 
past their prime for both of them, but still a little competitive. But let's not let's not put Weidman in there versus a Hermanson and have him get fucking smashed. Let's not put Rockhold in there versus um, uh, Prohaska and have him get smoked. You know what I mean? Let's that would be very smart matchmaking uh, to put Weidman and Rockhold maybe even on like a co-main event on, on a fight night or something or maybe even you know I mean, a lot of people would be interested in that a lot of people would be interested in that and I think that'd be um, a legacy fight for both of those guys more so for Weidman <coughs> because you're trying to get that loss back but even for Rockhold you I mean you beat a former UFC champ again I mean I, I, I would get up for that fight I would get up for that fight uh, but with that, I think we'll wrap it up here. That's that's about all I have. So again, we'll have a show tomorrow, uh, Thursday. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably talk about the NBA. I'm sure we'll talk about the Milwaukee Bucks tomorrow, boycotting Game Five. Uh, that's 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 big news. That's big news. Uh, but I didn't prep for it today, and I don't have a whole lot to say about it. I got to do more research and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, we'll have a fun show tomorrow. We'll we'll do something. Um, again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely M N North star sports on Twitter at North star M I N the mailman at Owen, the mailman. And you can check out North sports.media and, uh, we'll have UFC rankings, tons of great shit. You know what? I think even today we might do flyweight rankings. I think we'll debut the flyweight rankings just cause just cause, um, you know, it'd be, it'd be interesting. It's a new thing to have. So be sure to check that out. And thanks for tuning in everybody.